Well, we're going to ask Royal to come up here in the next two hours. One of the things I do have to say before I start, the pastor called me yesterday, and uh, he said, would you take, you know, Sunday night service? And I said, well, yeah, you know. He says, I, I don't, he says, I've asked this one, and I'd give you names. I've asked this one, and I've asked this. He says, well, I'm at the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> and I told him, I said, you know, the next time it would be really nice if he'd just say, hey, Royal, I'm calling you because I'd like you to take the service. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, you have to know Pastor Larry. You know, he's, he means well. He really does. But uh, actually, I'm excited. I told, was I told, they, or I told somebody tonight, Jan, uh, I remember in World of Life Club, we used to have on the snowy nights and cold, we'd have 14s there. And I remember our backup leader said, are you going to give the same message? I said, Absolutely. I don't care if there's a hundred people here or four people here. You're going to get the same thing. So I don't know what time it is. I usually go about an hour, an hour and a half. No. (laughs) But what my wife said, the last thing she said to me, now when you're done, you're done. You don't keep going on and on. You know how I have a tendency to to go on. No. (laughs) Well, anyway, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings, if you would. 1 Kings chapter 12. And it's a story, it's probably one of the more exciting stories I like to teach. I teach it about every 15 years. I remember 30, 35 years ago I taught this, but the Lord always adds things. Every time I go over notes, and it, uh, I said, well, Lord, I didn't see that before, I didn't see that before. But uh, he always does, uh, he gives me a note. But in First Kings... Uh, chapter 12. Let's have a word of prayer before we begin. Father, again, I do thank you now for this time. And Father, may it be to your honor and to your glory. Father, teach us. Prepare our hearts even now. Uh, We're reading your word. This is your talking to us, Father. Help us to realize that. And I'll give you the praise for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before we start, I've got to give you a little history in the background. If I just jump right into the the story, and it's a story, a very unusual story. I don't know if there's any other like it in the whole uh, the scriptures. But we're going to start off not with the main characters, but Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Okay? Now, Rehoboam was Solomon's son. Okay? And Jeroboam was Solomon's servant. So let's take a look, first of all, at Solomon, to be, to be sure. If you take, oh, you've got your Bibles, and you may have to back up a chapter here. Uh... Yeah, turn to, what do I have, chapter 12? Yeah, chapter 13. Oh, let's see what I want to start up with. Oh, we're going to go back even one more. Yep, chapter 11. First of all, let's take a look at, at, at Solomon's life. Just at the very end. We always think of Solomon, he had the wisdom of God, and he did, uh, for sure, and he did a lot of nice things, but the end of his life, we know, was not right at all. So in 1 Kings chapter 11, take a look at verse 6, 1 Kings chapter 11, and every time I read just this one verse, I'm saying, wait a minute, I read this kind of 
result on Ahab and a lot of the evils, and now it's Solomon. But in verse 6, God's word says, And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. And I want you to understand that that is exactly, well, we can read verse 7. It says, Then did Solomon build a high place for Sheremoz and the abomination of Moab and the hill before Jerusalem and Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And you go on, he had several hundred wives. And each of the wives that didn't come from uh, Israel, uh, they brought their gods with them. And it was unfortunate because a lot of times you read that, but what the story I'm going to go into today with Jeroboam, all the people that were there and living, they went under these gods too. Not only do you hurt, and I use this to illustrate, when you bring in something that you shouldn't bring into your life, as a family member, and I've learned, not only does it hurt you, but it hurts everybody around you. And so we call it sin. <laughs> it's uh, no other easy name for it. But that's why I want to start with Solomon. All right? Now let's take a look at... Uh, Jeroboam. Now we'll take a look. Well, I don't need to say a whole lot about Jeroboam. That's Solomon's son, okay? Heir to the throne, as it was. But God had other uh, ideas in mind. And so I want to take a look. Uh, turn it, I have to turn over in my Bible, but go up to uh, verse 28 in chapter 11. Okay? In verse 28, it says, and the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man that he was industrious, he made him ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. That's one of the, the tribes. And I want you to kind of keep that in mind because Jeroboam was not a flop by any means. He was smart, he was industrious, and he was clever. But this is what God had for Jeroboam, if we just continue to verse 29. And it came to pass at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah, the, the Shilonite, found him in the way. And he had clad himself with a new garment, and the two were alone in the field. So I want you to kind of picture this. They're alone. He left Jerusalem. They're alone in the field. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him, and rent it, always say new garment, and now he tore it to pieces. He rent it in 12 pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, take the 10 pieces, for thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give 10 tribes to thee. Now that was God's plan. That was exactly what he wanted to do. And he did do that. So, you say, well, okay, well, what is it? I'm setting a scene here for you. Do you understand what's going on right now? You got two men. One that is not in the line of David. And two, he's the son of a king. Except God is taking the ten tribes of Israel and he's going to give it to someone else. That's something to be, uh, to be looked at. All right. Now, I want to continue on. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that's good enough for that, I think. I don't want to belittle here. <clears throat> Rehoboam, 
He actually got 180,000 men. You know, probably most of you know the story, but he got 180,000 men when he found out that Jeroboam was going to be uh, a leader. He actually took an army, 180,000 men, and he was going to attack his own people. These are people, Hebrews. And God uh, told him, that just, no, you don't do that. I don't want you to do that. Jeroboam is going to have the ten tribes, and you will have the two tribes in the south. <clears throat> and believe it or not, <laughs> Jeroboam said, okay, okay, I can live with that. And so it was. Now, what else is going to happen here? Let's see now. <clears throat> Do I want to go to... I've got to cut out a lot here, or else we will be here forever. Okay. Okay. Rehoboam needed one more sign that he wasn't going to take all 12 tribes. And so if you turn to chapter 12, <clears throat> excuse me, and take a look at uh, verse 16. People started to moan and groan, and I can tell you this, I'll give it to you short rather than read it. Uh, Solomon was very hard on the people. We don't look at that as Solomon too much, but he beat them. If they didn't do their work in the long days and the weeks that went by, he did beat them, his own people. Now, he had also, he had other slaves too, and the people started to rebel, but Solomon died. And now Rehoboam was going to, quote, you know, his heir apparent. He goes into it. And the people said, hey, we need to you to lessen up, not to be as grievous as your father was to us. And so Rehoboam says, okay, in three days, I'll let you know. So he had old advisors that were to Solomon. He talked to them. And he went with the younger advisors that he grew up with. And he talked to them. <clears throat> and the decision was made from his younger advisors that these people, they need to be beaten more. They need to be really taught that you're the king and you're going to beat them and they will be in submission to you. And so that's what he told the people. Well, the people did not like that at all. And they started to rebel against Rehoboam. And this is where the whole thing starts. Now remember, God promised Jeroboam, the ten tribes, or he, he told me he was going to have them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. And then verse 18. Uh, let's see. Yeah, then King Rorobam sent Adoram, who was over the, tri the tribe. Now that was like a secretary of state. And he sent them to the people to explain all these things. And all of Israel stoned him with stones that he died. Therefore, Rehoboam made speed. In other words, he got out of Dodge quick to get him up to the chariot to flee to Jerusalem because that's the, the two tribes that he was going to be in charge of. So Israel, Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. And that's a sad commentary pass. Now in verse 20, who comes on the scene? And it came to pass when all Israel heard that Jeroboam was come again. Now he was down in Egypt because Rehoboam was out to kill him. He was, and so he fled to Egypt. But now he came back, 
And they sent and called him in unto a congregation and made him king over all Israel. There was none that followed the house of David, but the tribe of Judah only. And so Rehoboam was down south, Jeroboam had the ten tribes up north. Okay, now I want you to understand, I haven't, this is just introduction, by the way, that, uh, and if you read verse 21, Benjamin had the 180,000, and that's when God told him, forget it. So, <clears throat> now, <clears throat> sadness comes in here. Excitement and sadness, I say, because of all the people. Janine, does this come up? Can I raise this? No, I like this height. This is good. <laughs> but uh, the sadness came in. There was a lot of idols. Remember, Solomon had a lot of wives. They brought in their gods. They sacrificed. They built altars. All of these things came into play. Jeroboam was part of that training. He did things like that, too. So what's going on as the Jews always did? They had all kinds of feasts, seven of them. Why did they have seven? Well, God told Moses, you're going to have these seven feasts. And if you were in my Sunday school class last year, you would have seen what these feasts were. But there were, <laughs> do I dare ask, how many feasts did God demand that the actual men of the tribes would have to go to Jerusalem for? Do you remember a number? Of the seven, how many did they have to travel Three, right. There were three that they, they had to. It was commanded that the man of each family, uh, and that would be ages 13 and up, uh, they had to go to Jerusalem to sacrifice uh, to the three different feasts. And I'll, I'll tell you about these in a minute. And so Jeroboam, he watched all these people coming down from the north going to Jerusalem this particular feast but the three feasts I wanted to give to you they were the feast of the Passover okay lasted one day and then there was the feast of the Pentecost that was 50 days after uh, the feast of the, of the Passover and now uh, the, the feast of the tabernacles and this is the one we're talking about uh, they were coming down, and Jeroboam saw all of these people coming down. And he's saying to himself, wait a minute, these people are going to go back with Rehoboam. I can't have this happen in my kingdom. It just shouldn't be. And so he said, ah, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to devise an altar, similar to the one that they came out of Egypt with, a golden calf. That golden calf is something, now, I realize cows and calves were very valuable to the Israelites. That's why they made such a big deal of them. But anyway, instead of going all the way down from the northern tribe to Jerusalem, I'm going to put an altar with a calf, and they can sacrifice there. Very similar to what they do down in, in Jerusalem. You with me? It would be like us. <clears throat> Excuse me. If, okay, there's no cars, there's no planes, there's nothing, just dirt roads, okay? One dirt road. From Jonestown to Harrisburg. Suppose three times a year you had to go to Harrisburg to pay tribute, to sacrifice, and whatever. 
Now, it takes a few days to get there because you're only going to be walking. You're not going to drive. It takes a few days to get there. But now somebody says, hey, wait a minute. Let's build a similar altar that they have in Bethlehem at the crossroads of 22 and 743. And they can worship there. And so, (laughs) sounded like a good idea to Jeroboam. And so he set up two calves, one in Bethel, which is the one that we're going to be looking at. And as the people know, at first, and I got this in history, at first, they didn't. They went right by and you'd go from here to Harrisburg. But after a while, three times a year now, that was three times every year, you'd be walking from here to Harrisburg and Harrisburg back. You'd sacrifice uh, to each of those fit. And by the way, I wanted to tell you, I was challenged. It says, how come they had so many feasts? Uh, let's take a look at America. Do we have feast? Uh, how about Thanksgiving? Is that a feast? How about Christmas? Is that a feast? How about New Year's? Is that a feast? You know, all of those are only about four weeks apart, maybe five. How about Memorial Day? How about Fourth of July? And I can go on and on. We have a lot of, we don't call them feasts, we call them holidays. And these could be called holidays too. Okay? And so now all the Hebrews that are in the northern tribes are coming down three times a year, all the men. And now they're with this golden calf and they're sacrificing on this altar. And Jeroboam has really won. Except there's someone that did not like this at all. God. Mm -mm. All right, that being the introduction, I am now going to go into the lesson. Excuse me. And it says, And behold, they came a man of God out of Judah, so we know he came from the south, by the word of the Lord unto Bethel, which is where the golden calf was. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense, something that they should not have done either. Sacrifice, burn incense. But anyway, and I use the word uh, prophet. He's going to be a young prophet, and I'll explain that a little later on. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priest of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burned upon these. And one other thing I should bring to your attention, uh, skip up to verse 31, or back, back to verse 31 of chapter 12. These are the priests, okay? And he made a house at high places, and those are the, the synagogues, okay? They only had one temple, and that was in Solomon's temple. And uh, he made a house of high places and made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. Now, uh, this is what's going on here. Jeroboam had set up the altar, and he'd set up all the sacrifices and everything. Hey, don't read ahead. I see Paul. Don't read ahead on this story. This story is too good. I've got to take you through it a little at a time. If you do we have people in here that read the end of the last chapter of every book they get to see how the story is going to end? Is there anybody that does that in here? 
Don't. <laughs> I'm only kidding. <clears throat> but anyway, what's going on in all of the places that people are worshiping, even back at home, Jeroboam has, not Levites, lowest part, these are people that did not know the scriptures at all, and he's got these people in these places. Jeroboam has these people in these places. And God did not like what was going on. And so he sent this prophet down to go to Bethel. To, actually, he was right there at that spot. And Jeroboam, the king, king of the northern tribes, was there. And he pronounced a rather troubling uh, edict against the altar. He said, anybody that's uh, in this altar, it's going to be thrown down. Oh, incidentally, and all of the people that are worshiping there. Uh, basically, he didn't mention <laughs> Jeroboam. Jeroboam heard everything. Uh, everybody that you put in charge, Jeroboam, is going to be destroyed by a man from the tribe of David called Josiah. And that is a story in itself, but we're not going to touch that one tonight. But uh, in any case, Jeroboam is listening. Now, <laughs> he's the king. He doesn't like what he thinks. And, of course, this was a sign. And he gave a sign the same day. So this all happens rather quickly. And this is the sign which the Lord hath spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent. That means torn apart, destroyed. They built it with stones, and, of course, they just ripped the stones apart. So it was going to be totally destroyed. And the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. In other words, it has absolutely no importance anymore. They're destroyed. Now, it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which he had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, now he has his hand on the altar, saying, lay hold on him. In other words, grab him, which means Jeroboam had people, an army of people that went with him. Lay hold on him. That's what he wanted. And his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up, so that he could not pull it in again to him. <laughs> now, uh, this is really getting to me a, a good story. You're, you're there before a king. Now, keep in mind, he's a young, this is a young prophet. He's just doing what God told him to do. And you've got this king saying, lay hold on him. But a problem happened. His hand got stuck. <laughs> it, it just wouldn't come back. And, of course, <laughs> that is not what you want to happen to a king. And so Jeroboam changed his tune rather quickly. Okay. And the king, oh, the king answered, went there. And the king said unto the man of God, this a young prophet, come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. Which was common. That was a common thing. And the man of God said unto the king, if thou will give me half, of thine house. Now that was usually the most that any king could give. If he gave any more, he'd become king. And so they could give up to half. I will not go with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way thou camest. So he went another way and returned, not by the way that he came to Bethel. And I have to keep stopping here because I don't want you to lose what's going on here. It's important. Everything in God's word is important. But now, <clears throat> you've got this young prophet. And the reason I say he's a prophet, he made this prophecy about Josiah. 
And he said, things are going to happen here. This whole sacrificing and to this altars, they're going to all be torn down. Okay? King got very upset. His hand got stuck. He couldn't bring it back. A little bit very concerned with that. And so he went to the man. He says, would, would, would you please? What happened to his? Grab him. Get this guy. But now it's not that way. God has a way of dealing uh, with people in no uncertain terms. But anyway, he went to the young man and says, would you entreat your God? Would you ask him to restore my hand again? And so the young prophet could have said, you kidding? You just, you know, <laughs> hey, you can live with that now, buddy. <clears throat> but he did not. He did not at all. He went to God and asked that his hand be restored, and God restored Jeroboam's hand. In a reward, Jeroboam says, hey, I, I want to give you, you know, a re- I want to give you something. And now the young prophet says, yeah, you can give me as much as you can. But this is what God told me to do, and this is what I want you to get fixed in our minds, everyone in here. God lays out certain things in our life. They're very plain. We'll look at one or two of them. And it was. You're not to eat and drink and you're going home another way. Seems simple enough, didn't it? I mean, it wasn't very complicating. You say, I want you to crawl up this hill and then go down here. He didn't say that. You don't eat, you don't drink, and you don't go back to where you came from. You're going another way. All right, you got that fixed in your mind? And it says... Now there dwelt, in other words, there was not somebody in there, an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done. Okay, so they saw this whole thing happen. The day in Bethel, the words which he had spoken unto the king, them they also told their father. So what's going on? I keep saying to myself, when I first read this, many, many years ago, I said, God, why didn't you use this prophet? He, he's been in Bethel. You didn't have to bring one down and, and go to Bethel. You had an old prophet right there. Well, let's find out why God didn't do that. And their father said unto them, Where, which way did he go? For his sons had seen that way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his sons, Saddle me the donkey. So they saddled him the donkey, and he rode thereupon. And went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that came from Judah? And he said, I am. Again, I'm going to stop here just for a minute. The old prophet was excited. You can see, he was excited. He saw the works of God happening. And I believe in all my heart, he didn't see it in his life. Nothing. He was a prophet, but it wasn't too much to prophesy. Uh, there was nothing given to him, and so he got excited, and he said, wait, 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 wait. I want to find this young guy. I want to find this prophet. And, uh, and his son said, well, he went that way. And so he was older, so he needed a donkey, rode up there. Obviously, a donkey was faster than walking speed. He met this young prophet under a tree. You got the picture, okay? Because, oh, I'd like, would you ever like to be that young prophet? You ever think of that? <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a nobody, and God gives me a job to do, and all of a sudden these big wigs come in, and all of a sudden you're in charge. They're not. 
Have you ever wondered? You never had a desire to do that? You're all looking at me like I'm crazy, but that's okay. <clears throat> and then he said, now verse 15, Then he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread, nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thou shalt eat no bread, nor drink water, drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou came. He had it pretty well, the young guy had it pretty well squared away. He knew what God said. This is what he said. But in verse 18, he said to him, I am a prophet also, as you are. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. And then this next sentence kills me. It's what half of what I want to tell you tonight. But he lied to him. And that tells me all I need to know on why God couldn't use this prophet. He was a liar. He didn't bring up his sons right. They were not in any part of it. In fact, everything in this prophet's life, the older prophet's life, was bad. Okay? And he lied to him. Where can I equate that today? How about in our churches? Many of our churches. When the messenger, be it, you know, not a pastor, I don't even like to use that word for him, but a clergy, the uh, reverend, you can, uh, they say to their congregation, hey, there's no heaven, there's no hell. God loves everybody. People, that's a lie. How about, yes, you, you have to accept Jesus, but in order to do that, you have to follow the Ten Commandments. That's a lie. This is what we're hearing today. But it's as bad as happened to this. And if this riles up a little bit, I'm hoping that does too. Because at Jonestown Bible Church, we have had, and we have been blessed, excuse me, we have been blessed by the pastors of this church that preach the Word of God. They use the Word of God, and they've used it very effectively. And that's something that you can thank the Lord for, because there are many churches that do not have that. They don't believe in heaven, they don't believe in hell. In fact, these are, oh, they're liberal, to be sure. But uh, there's something to be concerned with because you can go in your mind. Have you heard other things from people in their churches? How about in the Jonestown area that uh, you have to do this in order to be saved? As soon as they add anything to what Jesus Christ has done, they become a liar. And I don't know any other, I could say it nicer, but I can't. It's a lie, every bit of it. Okay, well, we're in pretty good shape. He lied. The only problem is, in verse 19, so he went back with him and did eat bread in the house and drank water. Woo, what did God tell him? Uh Uh-uh. He made it very plain, and I'm convinced without a shadow of a doubt that that young prophet, and because he was young, I think he was a little duped on this, but in any case, he did go back. And it came to pass, as they sat at the table, that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back. God was now ready to speak, and you'd say, well, he's going to speak to the young prophet. Uh -uh. God is now going to talk to the old prophet. He did not like what, what he said. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, 
Thus saith the Lord, For as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but you came back, and hast eaten bread, and drank water in this place, of which the Lord did say, Eat no bread, drink no water, thy carcass, your body, shall not come into the sepulchres of thy fathers. Whoa, the old prophet is saying this to the young one. Hey, you're in, you're in bad shape. You know, it just gives this character, the old prophet, it just gives this character over and over and over again. He's saying, you'll never be buried back in your homeland. It ain't going to happen. That was pretty big. That was a big thing. Verse 23, and it came to pass, after he'd eaten bread and after he had drunk, that he saddled for him the ass to wit for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way, and the donkey stood by it, and the lion also stood by his dead body. <laughs> now this is what's happening. <laughs> he's leaving. God had prepared a lion. A lion. Now he's riding on a donkey, and I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but lions eat donkey meat. Uh, this lion didn't. All he did was attack the young prophet and he killed him. Did he rip him in pieces? No, no, his body was still there. The carcass was still there in one piece. And so now you've got the dead man lying in the road. You've got the donkey right aside of him, and you've got the lion right aside of him. And now what would you think as you're walking down these roads? You take a look, because there were a lot of people that saw him. Remember, they're traveling back and forth. This was a feast day. Okay, around in that time, it was about 15 days too late. Even Jerome didn't, didn't do that right. But anyway, uh, let's see, where are we here? <clears throat> oh, and behold, in verse number 25, And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way, and the lion standing by the carcass, and they that came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. So now people are walking by, and this is a very strange sight. And so, and when, in verse 26, And when the prophet that brought him back from the way heard thereof, he said, It is a man of God, who was disobedient unto the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord hath delivered him into the land, which hath torn him and slain him, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake unto him. Are you beginning to fall for this old prophet? He's a loving guy. Right now, <clears throat> And the people come back and say, oh, well, he's basically saying, well, hey, if the young prophet didn't do what God told him to do, he deserves to, you know, be killed. <laughs> and he was the one that lied. But he didn't take any of that responsibility. And he spake to his son, saying, saddle me the donkey. And they saddled him. And he went and found the dead body cast in the way. And the uh, donkey and the lion standing by the carcass. The lion had not eaten the carcass. Nor did he tear the donkey. He didn't touch him either. Very rare. Okay. And the prophet took up the dead man, the carcass of the man of God, and laid it upon the donkey and brought it back. And the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. <laughs> you know, the horse is out of the barn. It's a little too late to mourn for a man you lied. He's now dead in a very mysterious way. And I get excited. I, at first, when I first read this, I wanted to be this young prophet. But as I read the rest of the story, I didn't want to be that prophet. 
I don't want to be him at all. And so he brought him back. He laid his body in his own grave, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. And it came to pass, after they had buried him, that he spake to his son, saying, When I'm dead, then bury me in the sepulcher wherein the man of God is buried. Oh, that's nice. Now he's going to be with him. For the saying which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethlehem and against all the houses of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria shall surely come to pass. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, we know that Jerusalem was the capital of the southern kingdom and Samaria was the capital of the ten northern tribes. And that's why they use Samaria here. But in any case, the old prophet's beginning to see everything that was given and said by the young prophet is going to come to pass, and we know that it did. And what a story, what a story. But it doesn't end. You say, well, wait a minute, you know, is that, is that it? And no. Verse 33, and after this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way. In other words, he still probably rebuilt the altar, put the calf up there, you know, from the, but made again of the lowest of the people priests of the high places. Whomever would, he consecrated him, and he became one of the priests of the high places. The kings didn't become the king. He's breaking every rule in the book. And this thing became sin unto the house of Jeroboam, even to cut it off and to destroy it from off the face of the earth. And that's exactly what God eventually did. In other words, when this whole thing was put into play, and it happened in a short span of time. This didn't take years. It happened in days and now all of a sudden the old prophet is saying, whoa, we're in trouble. I'm in trouble. I want to be buried with this man. Now, I can tell you what some Bible scholars think. <clears throat> the old prophet, he wanted to try to get as close to God as he could. And he knew this young prophet was there. And so he wanted to be buried with him. Isn't that nice? Would you like to have somebody like that as your friend and that? But anyway, you say, well, okay, Royal, nice story. Thank you. How can we apply this to our life? How do we apply? I'd like to take your Bibles, and now I want you to turn to Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 17. Matthew, chapter 17. And as soon as I get it, verse 5. This story takes place, the transfiguration. Peter, James, and John, the inner circle, they were there. And this is a story in itself, but it applies to everyone here in this auditorium. If you read verse 5, and it said, While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And if you want to read before that, you can read before the story that leads into this particular verse. And behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved Son, on whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Is that hard to understand? Do we have a problem here at all? God the Father, the, the most high and holy, is saying, Listen, this is my beloved son. I want you to hear him. The young prophet had directions. He had direct, it wasn't very complicated. 
Wasn't confident. Hey, no eating, no drinking, no going back. But he listened to the wrong source. And what I want to encourage all of you, and all of you are somewhat, as I see you, seasoned saints, to be sure, I want you to realize that God's word says we're to follow what Jesus said. That's not hard to understand. That's what we're going to be accountable for. And when you hear somebody saying, well, the word of God, it isn't true from, you know, the flood, eh, you know, and they can fight anything. I want you to stand strong. I want you to stand up where you have the opportunity to say, no, 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 no. God's word says this is what's happened. And you can equate that to people's lives, homosexuality, <clears throat> butchering of, of babies for medical reasons, you know. You can go on and on on what's happening in this country. And it just seems like, oh, God, will we ever, ever come through this? And maybe the young man felt that when Jeroboam's guards, you know, went to grab him and his hand stuck. In your life, maybe God is going to direct and guide you into a way that when you get into a place, you remember what Jesus said. Remember, we have also the Holy Spirit in us. Jesus himself said, I go to my Father, and he's going to send you another comforter, that he will abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. We have no excuse for not knowing God's truth. Even the Spirit of truth, which the world, in fact, God's words play in play, which the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him, doesn't know him. But God's word says you know him because he's with you and he's in you. And that's what I'm going to leave with you tonight. Uh, God's word is very simple, very plain. Uh, Every time I read it, I say, well, that's not very complicated. You're telling me to listen to what Jesus said. Hmm. Words weren't too big. Uh, I'm not that smart, but I certainly understand that. That's what I want to leave. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, again, I do thank you for this time. And Father, help each of us to grow in your grace and in your knowledge. We have no excuses for not being able to follow what your word says. We know that's what we should be doing. And Father, I pray that you'll guide and direct. The world wants us. They want to awaken us. And Father, I pray that each of us, each day, will read a portion of your word. You'll be guided by it. And that when you have the opportunity, you will share it with other people who may be struggling. Again, for this time, I thank you so much for it. I give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.